The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Daikon. Use less energy to heat your home this winter. D-A-I-K-I-N dot I-E. Your energy, your choice. On News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan, your host. Coming up this week, Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie is back with us for his popular series on famous homes in the movies. This week, well, we have to take a look at houses featured in Christmas films. If you have a favourite, let us know. Artist Liz Walsh gives me a masterclass on the Japanese art of wrapping presents in fabric. Creators from the Pop-Up Collective on their new exhibition and Neve Marr on revamping spaces in your home and her gift guide for babies. If you'd like to get involved, you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you can find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. Now, one of the nicest things I think about December is the number of craft fairs that randomly pop up around the place. And some of them like the Pop-Up Collective, which we'll be looking at later on, or the big craft fair in the RDS. Like, they're big affairs, professionally organised. But many local councils and communities uh, support much smaller ones in car parks or local parks or villages. And I really think it's so important to support small craftspeople and artists who can't afford the big shop rents or stalls in the larger venues. So if there is one going near you this weekend uh, or next weekend, do head along. Let me know how you got on, where it is and if there's any coming up in your area uh, next week. You can text us on 53106. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You're very welcome along to the show this morning. Now, we are continuing our series on famous homes in film. I I have to say it's been very popular. We're delighted with it, actually, um, because lots of you are downloading it on podcast and going through the different housing films and making suggestions and what your favourite movies are. A little bit of dissent, I have to say, but we'll take it. And one of the key reasons it has been so popular is because of my next guest, Brian Lloyd, from entertainment.ie, is back with us in studio and his cornucopia of vast knowledge of movies or maybe a, a misspent youth. I, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Completely a misspent youth. So, of course, we cannot let the year go by without doing uh, famous homes in Christmas yeah. movies. Now, the first one that springs to mind, no getting away from it, mm-hmm. is... Home Alone. I mean, it's there in Isn't the title. Yeah. Um, fabulous movie. Absolutely yeah. time. I think we all get a bit of a shock when we see Macaulay Culkin like now. Yeah, and he only recently as well, I don't know if you saw, he recently got um, a walk on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. um, And Catherine O'Hara, who played the mother Mm. in Home Alone, came out to kind of, I guess, introduce him, if you like, for the thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, so they seem to have a great yeah. relationship. And you're always kind of surprised he grew up. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Because he's just, I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid and he was, yeah, I still think of him in that size. Of course, he's nearly older than me now. Yeah, so. yeah. But, uh, so yeah. Home Alone, talk to me about the house then. Yes. It's based in Illinois. Illinois, yeah, which is where uh, John Hughes, the writer of it, is from. And he actually based a lot of his films um, in Illinois. Like, for example, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm. all set in uh, Illinois, and this one is as well. Um, it's a real house, which is I, I I think it's worth pointing out because a lot of these houses, as we'll soon discover, are, were sets. Either, are yeah. either sets yeah. or were kind of built or they were whatever. Uh, but this is a real house. It's 671 Lincoln Avenue in Winnetka, Illinois, which is basically like a northern suburb of Chicago. 
Uh, it was built in 1920. And the house is currently worth, according to Zillow, uh, 2.3 million. Now, it is absolutely huge. How much of that is down to the movie or would all houses be on, that, on the well, street? Well, wait and you hear this, right? So it's a 10-bedroom, six-bath property. <sighs> So that will tell you. Now, obviously, when you but watch... it's in the, Illinois. Yeah, no, <laughs> the Chicago... Okay, all right, okay, it's not yeah, far no, away. Chicago's yeah, yeah. pretty, okay. like, I mean, it's on the suburb. Like, this would be, I don't know, the equivalent of Dock here. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. So, yeah, it definitely would be worth it. But, yeah, um, and a few years ago, in fact, um, the Airbnb actually rented the house out for one night only. And uh, the thing was actually hosted by the actor who played Buzz, if you remember. Okay, remember yeah. The older yeah. brother Buzz, yeah. Um, so yeah, they've, it's obviously is still very much uh, in people's minds. It does still have a value to it. But yeah, I mean, 10 rooms, 10 bedrooms, six bathrooms. I mean, it's a mansion. And again, when you watch the film, it makes complete sense that mm. it would be this big because obviously when Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are running around and all mm. the rest of it, they need like loads of rooms to go to. Um, and that staircase. The staircase as well, exactly. Because... because eight-year-old Kevin has to slide down has it to, slide to make down his it. Yeah, escape. yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing that always kind of jumps out at me as well, and I only just think of it because I got the countertops done in my own house recently, was um, the countertops are done with tiles, if you remember if you mm. remember that. Mm. Um, and the colour scheme in the kitchen and in throughout the house is done specifically in a Christmas colour. It's all like reds and greens and all the rest okay. of it. Which, you know... It looks nice on screen, but I would imagine trying to live with that is probably horrible, you know, yeah. kind of way, because it's so sort of clashy, yeah. garish yeah. and everything else. Uh, and of course, it is beautiful. They've massive fireplace, mm. four poster beds yeah. in the room. You know, this, this is not a, a poor family. Not in the slightest. <laughs> they might no. be missing out on the kind of memory stakes, but... A bit, yeah. <laughs> and like funny as well, actually, there's a... Yeah, I don't know if you... Maybe people won't care about this or not. But there's a popular internet theory that... Um, Kevin's father is actually involved in some sort of high-level money laundering. Oh, go away. Yeah, no, it's a oh, theory. Right. No, it's a theory and I'll explain <laughs> because I can see you kind of, everyone's kind of looking at me a little bit funny. I'll explain. So, if you go back and watch the film, the first time that Joe Pesci appears, he's dressed up as a cop. And when the father comes down to talk to him, he says, oh, am I under arrest? And he kind of says oh, it in a bit of a quiet way. See. And okay. then apparently the house is so rich we never fully know what the father they does. They do, yeah. Um, the coat that he's wearing is this Burberry coat that's worth something like five or six grand or something like that. He's wearing a Rolex watch and all the rest of it. So it's basically, they're incredibly wealthy and nobody seems to know what oh, they're right. doing. And the first time we meet the character of um, Kevin's father, it's a question of all my under arrest. So <laughs> right, it's a theory. Okay. It has no basis in reality. It's only a theory. That's fine. Well, anyway, the house is fab and yeah. possibly only then in the purview of a criminal, right? Okay. Yeah, it would seem that way. For It would seem that way to be a 10 bedroom house. Yeah. Yeah. Now, another um, Christmas movie. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this movie now, Me I have too. to say. Okay. And I know it's kind of a bit marmite. And I think it's just the schmaltz of it yep. that I just don't like. Love Cameron Diaz. Like I really do. But mm. I just don't think she's firing and all cylinders in this uh, and Kate Winslet of course always fab yeah. but again I just think the script is a little beneath her this is The Holiday yeah. uh, where you have the, uh, this kind of uh, American um, mogul she's mm. you know a high hitter Cameron Diaz plays her and she moves to this little English yeah. country cottage and then Kate Winslet swaps and goes over to this amazing house so the houses are important so they talk are. to me about how they how they uh, 
created these characters of the houses. Yeah, so it's directed by Nancy Myers, and Nancy Myers, as you know, is well known for having beautiful houses and really has like a strong attention to detail when it comes to production, design, and all the rest of it. And obviously, as well, like the holiday, the cottage from the holiday is synonymous with Nancy Myers. Look, that really kind of rustic mm. sort of feel to it, the quaintness of it, the chocolate be- box stuff. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah, and like I completely agree with you. I mean, the holiday is complete and utter schmaltz as well. Mm. And you're absolutely right. It's well beneath Kate Winslet's um, But it's a popular and movie. And but listen, people want rom-com. Just like yeah, sit just there and some... chewing gum television exactly. and it's fine. Yeah, that's it. So we have the wooden beams, the open fire, mm-hmm. the kind of country kitchen, all that kind of thing. And uh, that's in the in the English cottage, yeah. which is cosy and warm. And of course, uh, there's going to be a love interest along before long. Yeah. Now, in the California mansion, mm. um, wh- wh- where Kate Winslet goes. Yes. So that's a totally different uh, It's a totally then. different thing, yeah. I mean, again, that's what Nancy Myers, uh, to give her her credit, like her, her films, the production design informs the characters and informs the story. So when we cut to the LA thing, it's as you'd expect. It's all big open spaces. You're seeing the seafront all the time. It has that real kind of slick look to it, whereas the house, or sorry, the cottage, I should say, is much more charming, mm. is a lot more low-key, a lot more kind of, I guess, um, warm and inviting, whereas the other one is kind of uh, a bit more sort of austere. Um, interestingly, though, the cottage from uh, the holiday is not real. Um, it was basically oh, no all way. constructed. Yeah, um, you always Rose, let me down with this, Brian. I, know, I mean, I'm here sorry. you come in here, you do a nice Christmas piece, and, and then, then you tell me it's all made up. Pull, yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's all made up. Yeah, so Rose Hill Cottage uh, was basically built from scratch. Uh, it was built in a field. Now, I will say there was a house that inspired um, the production team. It was called Honeysuckle Cottage, and it was in uh, Holmbum's Holmbury St Mary. Which, of course, was up for uh, up for rent on Airbnb in 2021. Mm-hmm. Did provide some of the inspiration from it. I've seen the house. You can see how they're kind of yeah, related linked. and all the rest yeah. of it. But um, yeah, and the interiors, again, were all on a studio set. So it wasn't even... Uh, it was all just a fiction of uh, Hollywood imagination. Okay, well, let's go then to something very real. Our final film that we're going to cover today, and it is probably the Christmas movie of all time, and it's It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So with my other kind of financial hat on me. Go on. This film, I mean, I know people love the whole, oh, you know, it's so nice and the Baileys and all. This is a, a movie about a bank run mm. and a financial crash. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and and when George Bailey has to say, well, I can't give you your money back because that's bought her yeah, house yeah, and yeah. your house, your money's buying their house and their house. Buying, and people then get, get line up and try and get all the money out in one time. So uh, that said, uh, the house itself The drafty is, old house, yeah. Wow. Isn't it? It's beautiful, yeah. I mean, like, the whole thing of Bedford Falls is is that it's done in this very sort of... I mean, at the time, it would have seemed, uh, I guess, like, natural and authentic and all the rest of it. But we look at it now and it seems kind of twee and sentimental. But, I mean, that's kind of what Frank Capra was going for. He was trying to evoke that kind of idea of Americana and the idea of, you know, people coming home from World War Two and all the rest of it and remembering what they were fighting for. I mean, there's a brilliant scene in it when James Stewart, um, that bit when he starts to cry when he's in the bar and he's taking the drink. And the famous story is that James Stewart apparently remembered his war service and got kind of overwhelmed mm. in it, you know? Okay. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful film. The Drafty Hold House is at the is at the centre of it. Um, again, I hate to say it, 
it was a set. It mm. was built in California and right. all the rest of it on the RKO Ranch. But it's a big set. But it's a huge set, yeah. It was the RKO Ranch. So this was something like 20 acres or something like that. But um, it's beautiful. And I mean, or sorry, yeah, three city blocks and they you know, turned in like 75 stores and buildings. It was over four acres and all the rest of it. But yeah, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, unfortunately, though, there's only two surviving locations from Bedford Falls. One is the swimming pool. And then the other is called the Martini House. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think, you know, when we look at Christmas and we look at Christmas movies, I mean, obviously, It's a Wonderful Life is in there as well. But it's the idea of like, it's aspirational, do you know, that's right mm. away. Like the yeah. way that like, he uh, George Bailey wants to build this house and all the rest of it, it's aspirational. Mm. And even if we don't get to see it in the end, of course, when all the, the, t- the townspeople come to the house, start to help yeah 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 it becomes somewhat a- and there is that kind of that uh, you know no place like home and yeah. that comfort of being in the home very capresque now uh, so thanks a million for that Brian great uh, houses there in movies uh, uh, big movie this year anything we should be on the lookout for yeah um well my film of the year is a film called past lives um which is absolutely fantastic it's this uh, romantic drama about a South Korean woman um who reconnects with this uh, childhood sweetheart and goes on this big sort of journey about, you know, emigration and all the rest of it. It's absolutely fantastic. I'd also recommend Killers of the Flower Moon if you haven't seen that yet. Haven't now. I was put yeah. off by the... It's long, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's like three yeah. and a half hours long. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's absolutely worth it. Okay. Same with Oppenheimer as well. That's about three hours long. But, again... That's totally great. Yeah. And, of course, Wonka. Oh, yeah. Wonka. Sorry, yeah. So, Wonka would be in cinemas this week. Yeah. That's going to be the big Christmas film. Big all singing, all dancing music. Oh, as well. we like Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, yeah. don't we? All right. Listen, Brian Lloyd from Entertainment.ie. You have your busy season coming up so we appreciate you coming into no us when the rest of us are winding down from work Brian's only getting uh, delving into it okay listen thanks a million and if you have your own favourite movie get in touch with us tell us what it is um, I think I'll be watching pretty much all of those El- Elf probably still yeah, sorry top yeah, of the list no, I mean what can I do yeah and uh, it, 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 I'm really looking forward to seeing Wonka actually so thanks a million Brian for coming in thank you Now, my next guest is a multidisciplinary artist and designer who's mastered the Japanese concept of fabric wrapping your gifts. Uh, We're going to find all about that now. Liz Walsh, you're very welcome to the home show. Um, Now, talk to me a little bit. What uh, do I have this right? Furushiki. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Okay, And what is it? So furushiki is the Japanese art of fabric wrapping. So furo means bath. And shiki is to put something under it. So back in the old days, they used to wrap their clothes in cloth to bring to the public baths. Oh, right. Yeah. OK. And now you're you're taking the concept and wrapping gifts with fabric. Yeah. Well, I mean, they Japanese uh, people would have started to do that themselves anyway. Um, and then it just became a concept probably like, yeah, a number of years ago. And shops wrap uh, your clothing, they ask, would you like a paper bag or would you like it to be wrapped in furoshiki? Yeah. You get kind of two gifts at the price of one then, don't you? Well, you do. And then you can either use your uh, wrapping for somebody else to re-gift the wrapping mm. uh, or else you might use it for a hairband or a little scarf. Yeah. yeah, rather than the paper, which is just going to go into the recycler, isn't it? Yes. Okay, now you've brought in uh, lots of fabrics here. Have you created all of these yourselves? yourself? You're working in linen. Is that sounds hard. Um, it is a really beautiful fabric to work yeah. with. And I think I always wanted to work with a fabric that was 
uh, associated with Ireland and Ireland has a huge history mm. of um, linen, uh, linen weaving. So I just started working with it probably 10 years ago. It's very sneaky <laughs> to, to sew. <laughs> But it really works beautifully with textile dye. And it I'm does. And it's interested. beautiful here. So I'm looking at some of your uh, cloths and uh, uh, fabrics here. Beautiful colour, actually. Uh, lots and lots of greens and oranges and floral patterns and everything. And you've brought along some of your uh, silk, th- this this screen print blocks. So these are folks, uh, I try and describe them to you, they're wooden blocks in the shape of, of leaves and and palms and all that kind of thing. And this, I presume, is used for dipping and and yeah. uh, so these are printing. Blo- yeah, that's exactly it. So they're um, Indian wood blocks. So those three are ones that I've designed, and they are a um, mountain ash leaf and a Scots pine. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So it, they've created a beautiful result, uh, which I hope I'm not going to mess up now because you're going to teach me how to wrap something with the Furushiki system. Okay, lovely. So <laughs> I'm going to give you, is this uh, piece here? This yeah, one? So okay. That out. So we have a beautiful piece of um, of linen here. I'll get away all of pens and everything out of the way. Right, gorgeous piece of cream coloured linen. Now, what am I wrapping? So this piece here is 70 by 70. So you can really use, uh, you can use any size really as long as it fits your piece. And you've given me some books now. It's hard even for me to go wrong wrapping a book, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So it's usually for a shiki is a square. Okay. It's best to have a square. It just wraps better. Mm -hmm. You have a little bit more scope and a bit more space. So what you want to do is you want to put your uh, book or whatever gift you have. Yeah. And actually, the good thing about fabric is, of course, you can wrap anything. It's not like paper, so it's not going to kind of crinkle around the corners. Exactly. So if you have awkward shapes, um, it's really nice to wrap with fabric. Okay, right. So what am I going to do with this now? So you're going to have the uh, furashiki wrap in a a diagonal. Diagonal. Okay, so the book is in the middle. Right, okay. And you're going to put your book in the middle. All right. And you're going to take one of the corners here and fold it over towards yourself. Okay. And then you're going to lift up your book tuck and wrap under. that. Right. Yeah, tuck okay. it under. Mm, Janie, right. Okay, yeah. It's heavy now to, to work with, unlike paper. Okay, that's done. Yeah. And so you're just going to take the um, the side corners mm-hmm. and just um, pull them out, pull them out yeah. to the sides. Yeah. And then you're going to take the opposite okay. corner and wrap, and wrap that, that around. around. Okay. And that's just turn it over. Hard. Okay, and turn it over. Right. And you're going to tuck that little... Do you have a little uh, little envelope flap? Here? I have a little flap. You, yours yeah. is fine, actually. Mine okay. is uh, mine is longer. I'm going to tuck mine under. Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, just to, to make it neater. Exactly. All right. Yeah. To make it neater. And so we're going to tug on the two corners to the side. Okay. So we're just going to tug them out to the sides. Okay. And with your one, we're going to take the corners in as if, you know, when we're wrapping a present and you want to... Um, oh, yeah, point it. Point it. Yeah, exactly. okay, so great. That. All right. Okay. Then we just grab hold of the yeah. fabric yeah. at the base yeah. of the book. Bringing it, it around. And then we go on and the then, other side. Oh, Irish, I've only one hand now for this one. Hang yeah. on. <laughs> Listen, we can, the first one was easy. We can the second one, I've lost a hand. <laughs> <laughs> we can multitask. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so tuck, tie it in the centre. So grab it in the centre with one hand. Yeah, oh, with one hand. Yeah. Oh, right here. And then right. with the other hand, we're going to 
making us. Ah, uh, here. Okay, I have the wrong hand. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Right-handed. Uh, okay. It's muscle Wow, memory. okay. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? That and, doesn't look too bad. And then we'll do one more knot. <laughs> and one more knot. Okay, while well, I'm on a roll. Okay. It's muscle memory. Okay. That's uh, excellent. And then, Listen. Look, <laughs> and then we're just going to fluff out yeah. the ends. Now, I have to say, Liz, yours looks a darn sight better than mine. Um, I hope the book, if I handed mine to this, somebody, the book would want to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> worth their while opening. With yours, like the present is the present. All right. And it's practice. Do you know what? It is practice. And I don't think that's, look, it's not even falling out. It's brilliant. Beautiful. All right. Okay, that's fantastic. Now, you are also uh, at, uh, we, we are talking to some artists from the Pop-Up Collective um, in a moment, uh, but you're also exhibiting at it tomorrow. So, So tell me a little bit about that. So the pop-up is on tomorrow in the Royal Marine Hotel. Yep. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really beautiful Christmas buzz. Yeah. So I'm going to be there um, trading. I'm going to have lots of my linen uh, work and I'm also running a workshop. A workshop on this, is it? On fur shiki wrapping, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, people can head along to that. I think you're on at 12.30, 1230. Uh, for that workshop. And we're, go- we're going to print onto our fur shiki wraps. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. OK, yeah. so people can learn how to do how to do both sides. Liz, Liz very yeah. sensibly thought I wouldn't be up for that now. So <laughs> mess up the studio. All right. Well, that's Liz Walsh Textiles. Uh, and if you pop down to Dunleary tomorrow, you can uh, check all that out. Liz, thanks for coming in and helping me with that. Now, for its third year, the Irish Pop-Up Collective returns for its Christmas event uh, tomorrow, 10th December, uh, in the Royal Marine Hotel in Dunleary. Uh, and I am delighted to be joined by Debbie Millington and Sinead O'Moore, both of whom are, are um, exhibiting at it. Uh, it's a fantastic event usually, and there'll be everything from wreath making to macrame workshops to lots of food, if you get hungry looking around at the stuff. Uh, but we are going to start by talking about what these two ladies have created. You're both very welcome to the Home Show Studio. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, uh, Debbie, you uh, are into the textiles and uh, screen printing and you've brought in some of your fabulous homeware items here, lampshades and cushions and all that. They're all very colourful. Very. Um, you started out or you were recently costume designer um, up in Enniskerry for the Disenchanted movie. That's correct. And I remember bringing my little niece up there oh. during the filming when it was on and she was blown away by all the princesses, all That's the gorgeous right. you costumes. You don't see princesses running around, dancing around Don't, Enniskerry. you don't. Yeah. What was that project like for you to do? What, what, your brief is just Disney, Disney, is it? Usually, I mean, in film I've done, you know, a huge variety of films um, usually working in the with the costume team and working with a costume designer, usually her assistant. So there's a lot of research that's involved. Now, it's just as well, there was probably a lot of <coughs> colour on that movie and it's just as well because your homewares uh, reflect that. Tell us a little bit about what you'll be exhibiting at the Irish Pop-Up Collective. Uh, well, obviously my, my brand, Debbie Millington Designs, would be very renowned for my silks. Um, so my silk scarves would be very high impact colour, Lots of beautiful, vibrant colours and textures. And I've done a lot of travelling around the world. So all of that and including my theatrical side, you know, from film and theatre, all that would be combined into the designs. So I have my silks, um, but I also um, do kimonos, kaftans, uh, pillowcases, eye mask sets, 
all of that, anything silk. Mm. But I'll also have uh, with me my new collection of home and home furnishings. So silk lampshade drums and velvet, uh, they're high grade velvet um, cushions. And I can see jellyfish and I can see wolves. Where do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I did a degree course year, many, many years ago now, I'm showing my age, but in 1997 I graduated from NCAD and I had a fashion and textiles um, degree under my belt and but initially became very immersed in um, the costume and set design world. Mm. Um, and when I was working in film, I would do a lot of traveling, so both personally and with film. Um, and I always had my camera with me. So I was taking a huge amount of photographs, you know, photographing everything that I saw was just the world was so inspiring at that time, you know, and still is. So, you know, I, I was photographing maybe a mosaic tile, a, a, an interesting ceiling, architecture, could be a traditional costume or, um, you know, even the landscapes. I was sort of already forming these patterns in my in my head, you know. Um, so then about five years ago, I, with all these beautiful photographs, I decided to start putting them into uh, Photoshop in my computer and um, creating these squares, initially squares, um, and I guess mixing these beautiful colours with these patterns and, mm. you know, developing these designs. Great. Now, Sinead Moore, you are a ceramicist. Hello. And um, you're very welcome. And you uh, make, and you've brought in a gorgeous selection here of vases. And uh, they're like, are these tea light holders? They look, yeah, I they know you're eggshells, I'm afraid. Nearly no, no, go for it. They look very, um, very delicate. I work predominantly in porcelain, which is an mm. extremely strong material. Mm. But then I pull it very finely. And do you find that customers now love that idea of a talking point or or something that they can say, this is how it was made, this is who made it and, and, and have that kind of conversation? Yeah, very much so. And like I love, I sell a lot like at the pop-up collective um, and other markets is talking to people. And, you know, my thing is to pick up and touch um, ceramic should be held, mm. should be handled. Mm. It's part of it. And then people, yeah, they love the whole knowledge of how it's been made. And then they can then pass that on to, you know, if their conversation point at home. How is the environment out there, um, Debbie, for um, artists and creators? Is it is it very, very strong or, or do you see, like, do you see a, like that post-COVID need to... to kind of get out and shop and buy. Or, I think so, yeah. yeah. I think it's really important. I think all the, our customers really want to meet on a one-to-one with the makers, the designers, the businesses, you know, that face behind the business and the maker behind the brand. They really want to connect and want mm-hmm. to support. And I think we see that. I mean, this year, there's so many um, wonderful markets, fairs, events going on but ours being this, one of the largest <laughs> going on, so yes. it's um, not to be missed. Yet. And I suppose, Sinead, there's a collaborative piece among you artists. You can learn from each other maybe or mm. pick up different ideas about maybe how to do your own art. Very much so, yeah. And because like uh, another maker, everybody works and makes 
to what's inside them. Yeah. But you'll pick up a lot. Um, you know, we'll share knowledge, we'll share, you know, in making, in selling, in the whole community of being a small independent business and the support among us all. Uh, it's just phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, anybody can go along to that now. It is in the Royal Marine Hotel uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's called the Irish Pop-Up Collective and, and that is the name of the social media handle for it. It's completely free of charge which well, and free parking so yeah. in the Royal Marine fantastic and, and it'll be on and indoors yeah, well. I think that's probably important to you yeah. all uh, 10 till 7 uh, and uh, Debbie Millington and Sinead Moore. thank you so much for coming into studio and thank telling you. us all thank that. you very thank much you so much. And you're very welcome back uh, to the Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan with you. Uh, and if you'd like to get in touch with us on the podcast, don't forget to, you can email us at any stage during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And I'm delighted to be joined back on the show this week by Neve Marr, uh, creative director of the journal.ie and new mum. Uh, we'll be chatting all about presents for kids of all ages. But uh, Neve, you're very, very welcome along to the podcast this week. Thank you so much. Oh, it's it's a whole new world for me now being a, <laughs> being a first time mom at Christmas. It's absolutely magical, and yeah, the the eyes have been opened fully to toys. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I um, had absolutely no idea about it, to be honest. <laughs> I know. And we are going to get to some of them because if I know anything about you, it's that you have probably uh, done all of your research and your cross toys from now until the age of 18. <laughs> so we'll talk about some of them uh, in a little while, Neve. and I'm, I'm delighted, dying to hear your, your inspo for that. But first of all, I wanted to chat to you about kind of planning around Christmas in terms of the home. Now, everybody has their decorations up and some people have the tree up and all this kind of stuff. But for me, there's always a key time of this season, which is that kind of dead week between Christmas and New Year, uh, where there's actually a lot that you can get done. I kind of have a little to-do list uh, around the house for that week. And I know you probably do too. Uh, So the tree will be coming down after Christmas, you'll marvel at the extra space you have mm. and maybe uh, come up with extra ideas. So what is it that you'll be focusing on? So I, the the dead space is the perfect way to describe that time between Christmas and New Year's. It's actually a time when people tend to have a few days off and, you know, you're kind of trying to back away from the quality street a little bit and you do have a little bit of time on your hands. So I like to look at it as a time that you could revamp, but crucially with minimal effort. So any any idle space that you have in your home that you've been looking at and you've been thinking, oh, you know, I would love to just do something with that. Take this opportunity. Um, so there's a couple of places that I've focused in on. The one is the entrance hall. So they say that you okay. don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm-hmm. So although it's a transitional space, I feel like it's a very easy place to switch it up and switch it up for a very low cost, minimal effort. Um, And there's a couple of things that you can do with this. So switch out the artwork. I always love this. I think that because it's a transitional space, people think that it should be neglected when it comes to dressing. So I would advise you to stand in the space and it will naturally tell you where your artwork should go. 
And also, it doesn't always have to be in the centre of the wall. It can rest on tables, mm. you can layer it, you can put it on shelves. And actually, if you're looking to switch out your artwork entirely, Desenio have a 30% sale on at the moment. They also do personalised photo prints. So it's a really good way to inject a little bit of life into your entrance hall. And of course, it's the time of year where you're greeting a lot of people as well. So you want that first impression of your home to feel good as well. Um, there's also another, uh, if you wanted to be a little bit more adventurous, you could go and look at the indoor-outdoor connection. But if you're not the best at keeping plants alive, indoor plants at your entrance hall, like me, hands up, <laughs> um, why don't you consider bringing in a little bit of that colour with paint. I love paint, a shade of green on the entrance hall, even if you were to paint half of it. Mm. And Bansha by Faro and Ball is a beautiful, it's a dull matte green tone. So it actually reflects light away. And it's, you don't walk in and go, oh my God, this is a green hallway. It's mm. actually really natural. And it's Gr a way of bringing the outdoors in with minimal effort. Green has really taken off as the colour of the year. I mean, whatever Pantone say, I love it. I love that kind of anything from sage green back down the darker end of the palette to say like a forest green. It's just such a warm and inviting and as you say, natural colour. I think that green is a neutral. I will die on that hill. My kitchen is green. My couch is green. Um, <laughs> I wear too many greens to mm. talk about but I do I love it it's definitely the colour of the season and it's a really nice way to incorporate a pop of colour mm. without overpowering you know or going with a plum mm. that you're not going to like <laughs> and the other thing about green is it takes metallic very very well so if you have you know the some of the pictures you were talking about whether it's prints or original art and it's in maybe a metal frame a, a kind of a gold or brass or silver that sits beautifully on green it really does. It doesn't object to mixed metals. It goes with blacks. It really does. It, it accepts all, all the fibres as well, which is beautiful. And then it kind of changes and it goes with whatever theme you're going with. So um, Bansha by Farrah and Ball, I think it's beautiful for an entrance hall. That's actually on my to-do list. And then another thing to do with your entrance hall is just to look at the storage and look at the way that you are, for example, storing all of those shoes. Because no matter how clean and tidy you are, there are always at least, and you should always allow for at least two pairs of shoes for everybody who's in that house. Oh my goodness, and that is the bane of my bane of my life. There's two of us in the house and there's about 17 pairs of shoes downstairs. Oh, so when I get extra annoyed, oh, I walk them up the steps, up the <laughs> stairs, one on each step <laughs> to remind the other person in the house to take them with them. And um, look, I'm terrible for it as well. I have about four pairs of flip-flops by the front of the door for no reason. Um, it's the middle of winter, so that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> but I do think if you look at storage, um, look up. Vertical storage, I think, at the entrance hall is a really beautiful way to maximise the space. So narrow lockers, for example, for storage of shoes, utilising that vertical wall space okay. um, is a really smart way to, to just look differently at the storage. Not everything has to be a short underneath a console table because things just get messy there and you want to hide things away as much as possible. Mm. So, mm. you know, do it with that. Get an old school locker style. I mean, they have really cheap ones in Ikea, but you can get beautiful other ones as well. And just stack that storage. Hide those shoes away. I mean, it's the 
out of sight, out of mind. That's what I think about shoes at the front door. Perfect, perfect. Okay, get it out of the way. And that is the thing to do uh, in that because people will be trudging in and out. It's cold out, it's warm in and the shoes just get kind of left everywhere, walking boots and slippers inside and all that kind of thing. Right. Uh, so really, really good idea uh, for that. And actually, uh, Neve, you can get kind of even open uh, vertical storage like shoe racks. I know Ikea do them um, and, and you can kind of stack them up. I've one upstairs and it's brilliant because everything just gets put in one place. Yeah, I think, Sinead, you're a neat person at heart because although <laughs> I love the idea of open shelving when it comes to storage, I just know that ultimately it would be a nightmare to look at. For me, yeah. I think that if you're going to do that, you really do need to commit to putting things back. And if that doesn't come naturally to you, like it doesn't for me, put a door on it, put a door on yeah. it, put a door yeah. on it, bye-bye open shelving. You're right. And I suppose for me, it kind of makes me keep it tidy yeah. then. So it acts as that incentive. All right. Well, look, good tips there. And green certainly is coming through uh, this season. Uh, now, we cannot uh, go any further without talking about some gifts uh, that you're probably considering this year for the first time for little baby Lola uh, and also uh, some slightly older children. So what kind of things uh, might Santa be available to buy? Uh, and are you having fun looking oh. at the whole toy market for the first time? So much fun. And of course, I'm, you know, just doing the best that I can. A lot of it is in Santa's hands. So I'm just doing the little bits and bobs that I can as a first time mom. But I will say um, it's an absolute joy. Like, it's so lovely to look into things. Now, she's eight months. So she is at that in-between age where she's getting a bit fed up with plush, soft toys, but she's not ready to go on a jungle gym yet. (laughs) So... It's definitely taught me about, you know, where I should be going to look for certain different toys. And I think a lot of parents will probably relate to that as well. So I want to talk a little bit first about Montessori age and actually bedroom furniture, which is a really good um, thing to do because it it is classed as a toy and a present, but it's also multifunctional. Um, so Sklum, S-K-L-U-M, have a fantastic range of Montessori focus bedroom furniture range and I do want to say that there's probably a 10-day lead-in with some of these deliveries just Mm. important to keep that in mind it's the first week in December so you know and just to keep that in the front of mind and so my favorite thing on that website at the moment is the learning arch it retails for $86.95 and it basically integrates the theory of free movement in order to promote autonomy as well as motor skills. It's made out of pine, wood and combined with MDF. It has beautiful colours on it and it can be used as a rocker. You can basically flip it over and Mm. with adult supervision. Actually, everything I'm going to say from here on out, adult supervision, that goes without saying. Um, But this is a great thing for people who are 12 months plus. So this is for the one-year-olds. They can crawl all over supervision and uh, great fun. And then flip it over, put it in, and they're rocking away. And it's great fun. And it's beautiful, aesthetically pleasing to look at as well. That's what I have to say about this range. Gorgeous. Another of my favorites from this range is the uh, Waco Kids Wooden Multi-Activity Walking Cart. So it's beautiful, natural color, $64.95. Um, it has nine activities. It encourages fine motor skills, hand-eye coordination, as well as multiple senses. And then it it uh, acts as a support for those 
all important first steps again for Wonderful. 12 months first. Wonderful. So very, very All right, easy. so Sclum. And uh, now Aldi also have a great range. I have to say I was in there uh, a week or two ago and the whole middle aisle now is just oh, yeah. complete stocking fillers and it's brilliant. Absolutely. So the Aldi Christmas special buys at the moment, I'm going to do a quick fire round on these because they're also classics. So as in they don't need any explanation. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So Hot Wheels Stunt Garage for $24.99 if you're looking for Hot Wheels. Barbie's Colour Reveal Doll, $17.99. Toy Story's Potato Heads, literally can't go wrong, $9.99. And then you get some lovely Lego sets. Everybody loves Lego at $8.99. So if you're looking for stocking fillers, but just in general, some really nice classic toys that are going to Mm. last, Mm. The Aldi Christmas special buys at the moment in stores is a great way to go. They are. And also, if you're having family over around the festive season and they're bringing kids and your house, like mine, is not set up for children. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, that was a long, 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 whole other life for me. So my, my mine is a grown up house now. But if I have my nieces and nephews over, I love, like I'll go down to Aldi or Little and pick up some jigsaws, some puzzles. Actually, deals are really good yeah, for this. Really and t- Flying Tiger is really good for this. Just little calling colouring sets they cost next to nothing and, and you just leave fun. them around the place and the kids will go and find them now for the little the little bit older now I can't believe you are putting a ball pit into well, the house Neil. this is actually not this is for the babies I was just going to say okay. this is actually for under 12 months so this is for the little Lolas out there um, so if you go onto Amazon a really good tip is they actually you can search by age so you can actually go um, under 12 month toys, three plus toys, toddler toys, and it comes up in with all the ranges that they have, which is just a really, I think when you're a first time parent in particular, I was like, what am I going to do? I watched the toy show, of course, trying to get tips, but like, this is my toy show at the moment, Sinead. Mm. When you were asking about gift guides, I was like, yeah, I'm here for it. I'll go for it. But it's a minefield. It's so hard to find. So go onto Amazon and you can search by age, which is eliminates a lot of the work. So the ball pit for babies, 70 euro and six cents. Um, if you order it now, you'll get it before the 16th of December. Non-toxic, safe plastic balls, a diameter of six centimeters, so it makes it easy for little hands. Mm. And the actual ball pit itself is 90 centimeters, 30 centimeters high and five centimeters thick. So it's really safe and it's a really good size for an apartment or a smaller house as well. Because when you say ball pit, you think of a huge ball pit, <laughs> but this is actually, <laughs> this is quite compact and it's really good if you've got babies in the family that are coming over, chuck them in the ball pit. Exactly. It's it's but the new modern, the, the new modern playpen for sure. Yeah. All right, Neve, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much uh, for doing all that research for us. And I know you've other things for older children as well. So I'll be keeping an eye on your Instagram handle, um, which is Neve Mar, and, and you can find Neve there, uh, creative director of thejournal.ie. Uh, and thanks a million for joining us today. And I, I'm sure uh, Lola will have a wonderful Christmas. Christmas when Santa comes. And that's all we have time for on this episode of the Home Show podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it and our mix of guests. Uh, and we will get to do it all again next week. So do keep an eye out for that. And if there's any items you missed or any podcasts you missed, of course, you can download them ad nauseum on uh, the News Talk app or on Newstalk.com, which is powered by Go Loud. We love to hear from you on the podcast and any suggestions you have for guests or topics you'd like us to cover. Uh, so do 
let us know that. You can get in touch with us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com or fire a message over to me on Instagram, which is open for that. So thanks to producer Aoife Breen this week. Stephen McLoon was on sound and have a fantastic weekend. Don't forget to get along to any of those craft fairs that are in your area. I certainly will. And we'll see you all next time. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. Saturday morning at 8. With Daikin. On News Talk.